This morning we're going to be in 1 Samuel chapter 22. If there's any kids that'd like to go to Kids Church this morning, feel free to do that this morning. If you'd like to look up today's notes on your Bible app, you can do that as well. It's on the Version Bible app, the brown uh, most downloaded Bible app in the world. You can find today's event just on, under the menu. If you click on the menu and click on events, you'll see Chicopee Baptist Church, or you can search for it and pull up today's notes electronically if you'd like. Or you can have the fill-ins that's available with our bulletins that are in person or online that you can download. Today we will continue our series on the life of David. This man who is a shepherd, this man who was a warrior, he is a worshiper, and he was a king. And as we travel through his life and as we begin to look at stuff, we, we are going to discover the journey that he took, the journey that he was on, that relates to our life as well. Anybody here ever lost something before? Yeah. Now, the best thing about losing something is if you'll stop looking for it, what happens? You find it. As long as you're looking for it, you typically, typically cannot find it. I have lost things before, and early on in my life, I would look and look and look and look, and I never could find it, and I'd get frustrated. And then finally, I'd stop looking, and there it would be. I'd find it. So I finally learned that if I lose something, I'm just going to stop looking for it. <laughs> and usually, I'll find it. But what about other things in our life that's not just simply keys or our phone? Or a piece of paper? What about things that really matter that if we lose it, it seems to turn things upside down? What about our homes? What about our health? What about a loved one? One of our children or our parents? What about security and safety? What happens when we begin to lose those things? And it doesn't matter how much we look, we just can't find it because it is gone. Today's sermon may not be for everyone in the room today, and it may not be for everyone who's listening, but today we're going to be looking at a man who loses everything. He loses every crutch that he had in his life. And the question becomes, when you lose everything, what then? When everything seems to get turned upside down and your life is shambles, what then? What do you do when you find yourself stuck? Even though you may be in a room filled with people, you feel alone. You feel like there's no way out. Well, for those of you who that would relate to today, pay close attention because that's exactly where David was. David had been living his life. David had, had been a shepherd. He got anointed to be king. He didn't sign up for it. He didn't ask for it. It just occurred. And so he... He got anointed king, and he went back to be a shepherd. And then one day, he went to see his brothers who were fighting a war against this man named Goliath. And David was thrust into the limelight, to popularity, to national recognition, because he stepped up, stepped up had courage, had faith, and he defeated that Goliath, that giant. We know about those stories, and those are exciting stories. But what seems to follow is more relatable to you and I. Because after the great success, it wasn't David's fault, but there came opposition. There came trouble. There came hatred from someone that he didn't do anything toward. And so David finds himself at odds with the king of that nation. And that king wants to destroy and kill him. And he became best friends with the king's son, and we're going to be picking up today after he's had to walk away from his best friend. He's lost his best friend in Jonathan that he was really close to and he was knit together with. He's lost his place in the king's palace. He's lost his place even as a shepherd. He got married and he lost his wife. David, even to run away from the king, ran to where the enemy was staying and living. He went to the Philistines, and there, we're not exactly sure if he really lost his mind or if he was just pretending, but there, at the end of chapter 21, you will find how the ruler of the Philistines calls David a madman. 
So understand this this morning. When you think of how great David was at one point in his life, he lost everything. No longer did he have a wife. No longer did he have recognition. No longer did he have any kind of power, control, a job, anything to care for or to care for him. He was left alone. He had even been into the enemy camp. But we pick up in chapter 22, verse 1. I don't want you to miss this because today's message is going to be good for somebody today. I believe this is a word for someone today. 1 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1 reads this way. So David departed from there, the Philistines, and escaped to the cave of Adullam. Let's just stop right there for a second. Because we find that David is, has left the Philistines, the enemy place where Goliath was from. He was a Philistine. And he had escaped to the cave of Adullam. Now it's very interesting that we find David going to a cave. David has spent most of his life in a field with sheep, looking at the stars. When you're inside a cave, you can't just look up, you have to look out. And David finds himself escaping. Escaping from the enemy that is without Israel and the enemy within. For Saul wanted to take his life. And not only Saul, but he had the entire army of the whole nation running after David. David was in a desperate spot. David was in a fix. David was in a mess, ladies and gentlemen. And he escapes to this cave. Now the first thing today I want us to do is to talk about the cave because there's some things and some truths about the cave that will relate to you and I in our lives today. Because there's some of you today that are in a cave. Or there's some of you that have come out of a cave and there may be some of you that's been dwelling in a cave for a very, very long time and you are wondering what to do. Maybe you don't even realize it is a cave. You don't even know what to call it. You don't know what's going on, but you're just in this funk. You're in this place. Let's talk about the cave. Write this down. The cave was an escape and a hiding place. The cave for David was an escape and a hiding place for David. He had no security. He had no food. He had no one to talk to. He had nowhere to go. He had no pr promise to cling home to. He had no hope that anything would ever change. And he goes to this cave, to this place. He was alone in a dark, dark cave. I pause for that moment of silence for you to reflect. How quiet it was in that cave. There was no chaos. There was no craziness. It was just him, that cave, and God. And in that quiet, he begins to discover something about himself. In losing everything in that dark cave, David would ask and wonder, who cares? Who cares about me? What is going on in my life? And you may be wondering, how in the world would we even know what he was thinking in the cave? Especially when we only read a half a verse. You don't want to know how we can know what he was thinking in the cave? He wrote a psalm about it while he was in that cave. And we're going to talk about that psalm in just a few moments. And we're going to look at that. But from that psalm, we can glean the desperation of David in that moment. And can I tell you something? He's not the only one that's ever been desperate before and felt like everything has fallen apart. I believe there's some people today who feel like everything is falling apart. I mean, we look at our world today. I stopped watching the news because it just, it just depresses me. The news will just tell you how, what a mess the world's in. But outside of the world, some of our own homes and some of our own lives and some of our own little, little, little worlds are a mess and falling apart. David found himself with every crutch he ever had to help hold him up gone. David, I believe he no longer had his shepherd's staff in his hand. His hands were empty. I believe David was there in that cave with nothing. 
And God had brought him to that deep, dark cave for a purpose and for a reason. The second thing about the cave. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. The cave had a name. The cave that he went to had a name. Now there were caves all over the place. There's caves everywhere in Israel. And there could have been many caves that he went to, but he went to this particular cave that had a name. The word Adullam actually, I found, can mean hiding place. He was escaping, going to a hiding place. He was hiding from the enemy. But you know who he could not hide from? And that was God, because God was there with him, which we will see later when we look at the psalm. Now, I don't know what your cave is today. I don't know what the name of your cave is. I don't know what's driving you to that cave. But there's a cave in someone's life that's got a name today. I don't know how, what it begins with. I don't know if it's two or three words or a sentence or whatever. But there's a cave in your life that's got a name. And you need to name that cave and understand that that cave has a name. We also know that this cave was in the lowlands, not up high in the mountains. It was in the lowlands. Now think about this. We often talk about how we can be on the mountaintop and how we can be in the valley. And it's in the valley that we find ourselves desperate. And this is where David found himself was in the lowlands in this cave that was halfway between Bethlehem and the enemy. This cave in the lowlands in the dark, quiet, also known as a hiding place, a refuge, a retreat. It all pointed to God doing a work. Another thing that caves are referred to in Scripture, as you read, if you want to read through 1 Samuel or 2 Samuel, you're going to find a word that means stronghold. Caves can also be referred to as a stronghold. Now, do you understand what a stronghold is? Stronghold is where you go that... You can find strength, that you can find protection. When the enemy's coming at you, you got something that will protect you from the attacks. A stronghold. So David went to this place. He escaped. He's alone. He is, he's lost everything. And he's in this place that can also be a stronghold. Let me tell you today, your cave could very well be a stronghold in your life and you not realize it. Come on, church. Help me out here. Sometimes when things are going wrong in your life and things are upside down, you can see it as a mess. You can feel like you're alone and you're in a dark, quiet, desperate place. But God himself could be the very stronghold in that place that you would never have known if you weren't in that place. Ladies and gentlemen, today I need you to listen to me because somebody is struggling with something in their life. You are stuck in a cave. You don't know which way to go, but God's got something for you. The third thing is this. Not only was the cave a place of escape and a hiding place, not only was, did the cave have a name, but the cave was the beginning of a new direction in David's life. Let me read for you verses 1 and 2 together. So David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's household heard of it, they went down there to him. Everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was discontented gathered to him and he became captain over them. Now there were about 400 men with him. When David shows up in this cave, he's alone. He's by himself. He cries out to God in his desperation. And then God has something for him because the cave was the beginning of a new direction in David's life. God will take us to a cave sometime to give us a new beginning for our life, a new direction, to give us a new season, something that's going to make a difference not only in our life but someone else's life. Hear me, church. Today, God wants to do something great in your life, and He may, he may have to take you to that cave to get you ready to prepare you to be on the throne. That's what's going on in David's life here. I love this quote that I heard recently. It's not about what you have, but what you do with what you have. Listen to me. It's not about what you have. It's about what you do with what you do have. David has nothing. God took him to the place of nothing so he can make something out of this little shepherd boy. Because God understood, David, when you get into that place of desperation, 
Your character is going to shine. Your, 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 your gifts are going to shine. You are going to rise up and be a king. But you never will know it, David, unless I put you in that cave alone by yourself. So this cave that David encounters is actually a place of new beginning for him. He's been a shepherd. He's become a warrior. He's become an enemy of the state and the enemy of the state. And now he will become a captain of his own men. See, he was put in charge of some men by Saul. But in this case, he was put in charge of some men by God. God's got something for you to be in charge of, something for you to do that only he needs to get you to do it. And it don't need to be coming from somebody else. And he's got to get you into the cave for you to hear what he has for you. It was in that quiet, still cave that David could hear what God would have. The very first thing that comes, which is very interesting to me, is his family. His family hears that he's hiding out in this cave. Now, how do they hear about it? We have no idea. I am absolutely 100% without a doubt certain he didn't text them. They didn't have phones then. But somehow they found out that David was in this cave and his family came to him. They came down. Now listen, if David is an enemy of the state, guess what his family is? An enemy of the state. They are wanted just as much as David, but David's on the center of the radar of Saul's life in his mind. He wants to get rid of David. But here comes David's family. This is the same family that left him in the field when Samuel showed up to find and anoint the new king. This is the same family that saw him nothing more than just a little shepherd boy. This is the same family that made fun of him when he shows up on the front line when Goliath is making fun of the nation and he's taunting the people. And this is the same family that says, why, we know why you're here. You just want to be seen out here. You're not here for nothing good except for yourself. This is the same family that pushed David away who are now running to be with him. Now, the second group of people is very interesting, isn't it? What a group of people. The Bible says, everyone who was in distress, the Hebrew word there means in distress or under pressure, under stress. Everyone who was in debt. Anybody here in debt? Come on, let's be honest. We could be part of David's men. Everyone who was in debt. Hebrew word there means to lend on interest, to have a number of creditors. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm in debt. So here were these, these men who are finding David. They are in distress. They're stressed out. They are in debt. And the third listing here is everyone who was discontented. Now, I don't know about you, but some of the most depressing people to be around are the discontented people. Because the only reason you call them discontented is because they open their mouth and reveal they're discontented. And when they reveal they're discontented, it makes you discontented to even be around them or discontented with what they're discontented with. Are you following me? So discontented people cause discontentedness to just spread like wildfire. So you got these people who are stressed out, pressed down, in debt, and discontented with what's going on in the nation of Israel. They're showing up in this cave where David was alone. And what happens there is incredible. Remember, that cave started with just one. But by the end of verse 2, just two little verses, there is 400 people there in that cave. Uh, by the way, that must have been a big cave. Yeah. It wasn't one of these small, tiny little caves. I grew up in Dahlonega near a place called the Copper Mines. The Copper Mines is where they would, they, they would go looking for copper years and years ago. That was before my time, ladies and gentlemen. I know it's hard to believe, looking at my hair, but it was before my time when they were digging for copper. And my mom and dad lived in the Copper Mines and lived in this old, old house. And their job was to kind of look out, out for all this property this man had bought and we would go through these, these woods and we'd drive our tractor and we'd come across this hole that had been dug where they were looking for copper. There would not be any sides on the, these holes, people. There's nothing to keep you from falling in. I never went out in the woods at night. 
Because these holes, you could take a rock and you could throw it in there and you would never hear it hit the bottom. But these holes would only be maybe about that big around. But there was one cave down near the river that when you walked up to it, it was just enormous and there's this big opening. And when you walked into it, it was cool and there was water dripping and, and it was just like the best playground for kids ever. But there's a lot of bad stuff that went on there in that cave, so I never got to go down there. But I got to see that cave, and it was big. I can only imagine how big this cave was. To hold 400 men. And if it was that big, imagine how lonely it was when there was only David in there. But God sent him to a place that only God could fill up. David walked in, finding an escape and a refuge. But what he found was a new direction. And as he's sitting there, can you imagine all these people start coming in? He sees his brothers. He sees his, his dad. He sees his family come and see him. Then all of a sudden, here comes somebody. And this guy walks in and says, man, I am so stressed out. This Saul is driving me crazy. I am just over this guy. I am in debt over my ears. I owe him so much money. If I worked every day the rest of my life, two jobs, I would never be able to pay Saul back. I am so disgruntled with him, and I am fed up with the king. And he doesn't hear this one time, but 399 more times he's going to hear this kind of talk. And so while he's there, he's hearing all this grumbling and this talking. And David could have very well had said, I'm getting out away from every single one of you. You guys are a bunch of nuts, and I'm leaving. But he didn't. David did not walk away in the midst of what God was bringing his way. It didn't look pretty at first. But let me tell you something that's incredible. These 400 stressed out, discontented, in debt individuals would become known as and be called in the Bible David's men of valor. It doesn't say one of them was a warrior, one of them served with the king in, in, in the army. It says they were discontent, they were in debt, and they were stressed out, and they began to train. See, David went into that cave to find an escape, to find a place where he could get away from stuff, to find a place where he had lost all the crutches in his life, and he's just sitting there between him and God, and God begins to bring people, and bring people, and bring people. And he looks around, and he has a choice to make. Is this cave going to become a training ground? ground for me and these people or is this cave going to be my demise David chose to step up and say this is a training ground because God is in this place and because God is in this place I'm going to let him train, I'm going to let him grow me, I'm going to let him do something that's going to change my life and everyone's life, let me tell you ladies and gentlemen, my Jesus can do that in your life, I don't know what cave you're in, I don't know what's happening in your life uh, there, there's some stories I know but I can tell you one thing, Jesus is right there in that cave with you right now, he wants to do something in you, through you, and out of you that will change the world. And you've got to be ready to step up. Say, this is going to be my training ground. It's not going to be the end of me. It's going to be my training ground. God, you take it. You take over. You do something. That's what David did. Listen to me. It's, it is time. It is time. Let, let me tell you, write this down. When God brings us to nothing... It is to reroute our lives, not to end them. We often feel like our life is over, don't we? When we start losing things, we feel like everything's over. It's, it's the end. Oh, woe is me. David was in this place where he had lost every crutch he had ever had around him for, for the last several... By the way, do you want to know how long it took between the time he was anointed king to the time he becomes king? Fifteen years. Fifteen. Fifteen years. David did not hurry up God's plan. David did not try to define what God's plan should look like. David stepped into what God's plan was and David simply said, this is the cave, this is going to become the training ground. It's not about what I have, it's about what I do with what I have. I came into this cave with nothing and God, you brought, brought me some discontented, over, overbearing, uh, complaining, big mouth men who are just in debt up to their eyeballs, but this is a training ground. This is what you've given me, let's begin to train and let's do something. We as Christians sit back too long and expect God to do everything. Come on now, I'm just going to tell you some truth. 
We sit back and think that all we got to do is pray a little bit and let God just do everything and us do nothing. God has given us a responsibility. He takes us to a cave where we have nothing but God to look to so that He can say, step up. Step up. Take what I've given you and do what you need to do with it and I will give you some more. In the end, David got even more men because he was faithful with the men he had. Now, today... I believe God wants to reroute someone's life, to start something brand new in your life. And all, of you, all you've seen is, is, is the difficulty and the turmoil and the trouble that is around you. But David didn't just simply look at what he lost, but he looked at what he could never lose. Did you hear me? David did not simply look at what he lost, but he looked at what he could never lose. And that was the presence of an almighty God. See, it is in that, that space between grief and joy, between that space of desperation and hope. It is in between that space of where we have questions we cannot answer and that place where we have a hope for tomorrow that we find Jesus Christ. It is in that space that we exist as born-again believers. It is in that space that we exist as, as Christians and followers of Christ. It is in that space that we can have questions but yet have hope in a holy God. It is in that space that we can be sad and grieve, but we can also have hope that there is a brighter tomorrow. It is in that space when we can doubt, we can worry, but yet we can have joy. Ladies and gentlemen, we as born-again believers, when we find ourselves in the cave, that is the very place where God wants to do something great. So today, it's not what you have, but what you do with what you have. And David took what God gave him and did something with it. David was beaten all the way down until there was nowhere to look but up. But when he looked up, God said, let me give you something because you're ready for it. Are you ready for what God has for you next? You may say, yes, I am. But are you truly ready? Are you at a place where you will lay aside everything that you have in your life to say, God, all I want and all I need is you. Let me hold on to you. That's the place when God wants to do something great. To the distressed among us, David wrote these words, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. For those who are in debt, David wrote these words, Oh, fear the Lord, you his saints. For those who fear him, there is no want. For the discontented, David wrote, The young lions do lack and suffer hunger, but they who seek the Lord shall not be in want in, of any good thing. And then he also wrote these words, Many are the afflictions of the righteous. Many are the afflictions of those who find themselves in a dark, dreary cave, in that place where you feel like everything's falling apart, where you've got questions, that place where you worry, you struggle, you grieve, you hurt, things that you've kept locking, locked inside. In that place, many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers him out of them all. You are not your own deliverer. Somebody needs to hear that today. You are not your own deliverer. You cannot deliver yourself out of the mess that you're in. And you need to wake up to that. Somebody needs to understand today that you're not going to be the one to fix it. You need to leave it to God and let Him deliver you out of all your trouble. David, David enters the, the cave as a broken man, but he exits as a captain of 400 men that God brought to him that he did not go find and recruit. You may try, be trying to figure out how in the world can I find the resources I need? How in the world am I going to get this thing straightened out? Maybe it could just very well be that you keep saying, how can I, how can I, how can I, when you need to just simply say, God, this is your problem. You need to fix it. You need to just direct me, send it to me, do something, because I can't do this. God may have you in that cave just so you'll get to that place where He can take the nothing that you've come to and become something incredible. He would become a captain and later he would become a king. He would have a ragtag group of men that he had shaped into a mighty men of valor. He would guide in those men to... 
they would respect him and do exactly as he said. Because God had anointed him and touched his life. But you need to, today to understand, David did not make it where he was simply on his own ability and power. But he got there by following God's will and direction in his life. And it led him to a cave where he was alone, by himself, in desperation. And it was in this cave of Adullam that things would change and there would be a new beginning for David. No longer would he be a shepherd. No longer would he have to go fight for the king because the king ordered him to. But he would go and fight because God told him to. He was a man who was desperate after God, not desperate after his survival. Maybe today somebody needs to hear that you need to be desperate after God more than desperate for your survival. You don't need to be desperate for your survival in school or at work or in your family. You need to be desperate for God first and foremost and let God handle those details. And He will direct you and guide you and shape you and mold you and do something you never thought possible in your life. Let me tell you about my Jesus. My Jesus can take a mess and bring a miracle. And I, I like to say things like that, but the lady who wrote that song, she's 19 years old, ladies and gentlemen. She's 19 years old, and what happened in her life was her 23-year-old brother was killed in a car accident. We all sit here, we sing that song, and we get excited. But that song was birthed out of pain, out of, out of uh, uh, anguish, out of hurt, out of tears, out of desperation. Did this young lady write the words, let me tell you about my Jesus. A woman who had never sang before in public and in front of anybody, at her brother's funeral, sings the song you sung this morning. And let me tell you, you don't hear words like that unless someone has gone to a deep cave in their life. Amen. Because those things are birthed only when you get to a place where the only thing I got is Jesus. I can't look left, I can't look right, I can't look behind me, I can't look before me. All I can do is just look up and see my Jesus. So that lady that writes that song, she understands what it's like to be in a cave. Bruce Larson and Keith Miller in a book called The Edge of the Wilderness writes these words, With all my heart, I believe that Christ wants His church to be a fellowship where people can come in and say, I'm sunk, I'm beat, I've had it. Ladies and gentlemen, church should not be the place where you have to come and put on a mask and pretend. When you come into this place right now, I want you to remove your mask. I want you to take it off. I want you to just simply be you before a holy and living God. Because hiding behind the mask keeps you locked up in a cave all alone and by yourself. And God needs you to be honest before Him. In case you don't know, God is in this place. His Spirit is here among us today and this morning. I believe with all my heart, because God did not lay this message on my heart for no reason, He's speaking to someone right now who has been living in a cave, who's been wearing a mask, who's been hiding behind a lot of stuff, and you've been trying to keep it together. Because that's the proper thing to do as a Christian, right? Well, let me tell you something. The proper to do, thing to do as a Christian is just let go of it and just leave it at the feet of Christ. That's what He's calling us to do. I want this to be a place where you can walk in and you can say, I'm struggling. I'm sunk. I'm a mess. I don't know which way to turn. You know what my response is going to be? Let me tell you about my Jesus. But pastor, how's Jesus going to fix all the mess in my life? I'm glad you asked that. Because we need to talk about what to do with this. What to do with this truth that we find in 1 Samuel chapter 22. I believe the very first thing that we need to do today, and you can write this down, is you're not going to like this. But I want somebody to write this down because somebody needs it. And some of you are going to be very resistant to it. And you're going to say, Pastor, oh, you've gone too far now. 
So just go ahead, get ready, buckle up. Here we go. Pray out loud. Pastor, I don't have to pray out loud. God hears me when I pray in my mind. Yes, he does. He also knows what you're going to pray before you even say it in your mind, too. But let me tell you something. Why I want you to pray out loud to God and honestly tell Him your troubles. Let's look at Psalm 142. Psalm 142. This man who had found himself desperate. If you want to be a man after God's heart running after Him, you're going to have to be uncomfortable sometimes. Do you hear me, church? Do you hear me preaching today? You're going to have to be uncomfortable if you're going to truly have a full relationship with Christ. Christ has not called us to be comfortable. He's called us to bear a cross daily. And if you're not uncomfortable, you need to figure out if you, if you left your cross at home. That's just hard truth. I'm stepping on somebody's toes today. And I wouldn't say it unless the Lord's leading me to do it. Ladies and gentlemen, complacency is not the place to live in Christ. So maybe praying out loud is a little uncomfortable for you. Now notice, I did not say pray out loud in church, now did I? I didn't say pray out loud in your Sunday school class. I didn't say pray out loud on the phone. I didn't say pray out loud at work. I didn't say pray out loud in your car. It just simply says pray out loud to God and honestly tell Him your troubles. David was not in front of the nation when he cries out loud. Look in Psalm chapter 142, verses 1 and, one and 2. David even tells us, he makes it very clear. I don't think it could get any clearer than this. If you're looking in your copy of God's Word, please always have a copy of your Word so you can see this. Don't take my word for it. It says, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. You know what he was doing? He wasn't meditating. He was crying out loud. He says, I cry out loud with my voice to the Lord. You want deliverance from your cave? You want your cave to turn into a training ground so that God will do something great in your life? Open your mouth and pray when it's just you and Him. It may be uncomfortable. It may be, And you may have to start with, God, I don't even know how to do this. I don't know what to say. I don't know how to say it. You know what? That's the perfect thing to say. Couldn't get any better. Because you know what you're doing? You're being honest before the Lord. David says, I cry aloud with my voice to the Lord. I make supplication with my voice to the Lord. I pour out my complaint before Him. I declare my trouble before Him. Listen, he poured out his complaint. He poured out his trouble and he cried out with it. Until you get to a place where you're so desperate that it will come out of your mouth, crying out to God, you're not in a place where God's going to take nothing and turn it into something because you're not desperate enough yet. So why don't you just open your mouth now and begin to cry out? I'll never forget growing up hearing my mother pray. Four foot eleven. But I'd be outside playing and I'd stop playing outside because I'd hear my mom inside praying. And when she prayed, she did not need no microphone. I'd just stop and I'd listen. And she'd pray for me and she'd pray for these different people and there different things going on. She prayed out loud and it encouraged her son's heart. She thought she was alone, but we lived in a mobile home and you know how thick those walls are about that thick. So I could hear everything she'd pray. You may be worried and scared about praying out loud, but you're only going to be doing it to an audience of one. Hold on now. i got a truth for you. You'll open your mouth, and you'll talk to everybody else about your problem. But when it comes to talking to God, you don't want to open your mouth and say anything. You want to keep it in your head. Why is it that your, your people around you, you can open your mouth and talk to them about it, but you won't open your mouth and talk to him about it? He wants us to bear our souls. David cried out loud in desperation. We can see that here in this. this. If you look in your Bible, you may have a header on Psalm 142 that says that it was when David was in the cave that he wrote this. This is how we know that in that cave he was alone. He was desperate. He had lost everything because he says, I pour out my complaint. I declare my trouble before you. 
When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, you knew my path in the way where I, would, I walked. They have hidden a trap for me. They're going to get me. I'm in trouble. But I want you to look in verse 5. He stops talking about himself and he starts talking about what he's done. I cried out to you, O Lord. I said, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. Give heed to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. Bring my soul out of prison so that I may give thanks to your name. The righteous will surround me, for you will deal bountifully with me. Let me tell you something. Only a man with faith can understand in that in between the point of desperation and the place of hope stands Jesus Christ and a faith in Him that He's got a will for your life, a direction for your life, and He's got you in that cave to train you and to raise you up to be something that you never thought you could be today. You need to grab hold of this idea that God's got something new for you, a new beginning while you're living in this cave. And if you'll cry out to Him and keep your faith in Him and look to Him when there's nothing else, God's going to begin to do something great. So you need to pray out loud to God and honestly tell Him your troubles. Praying out loud changes the internal dialogue. And it keeps you from falling asleep. Come on now. Now I'm, now I'm preaching some truth, ain't I? Because when you're praying in your head, silently and quiet, Robin, thank you for shaking your head. I got one person in here who understands what I'm saying. When, when, when you got your eyes closed and your head bowed and you're praying, you're focused on the Lord. Next thing you know, I don't know about you, but I work a lot and I'm a tired man. And if you give me a moment to just be still and put my feet up, that's my kids. Man, sleep goes well with me. But when you're crying out to God with your mouth, sleep must flee. So today, do not dismiss praying out loud, even if you're alone in your home. Because let me tell you something. Corey Ten Boone says this, You never know Jesus is all you need until Jesus is all you have. Second thing, tell God daily that you will trust Him regardless. Tell God daily you will trust Him. We read just a little bit from Psalm 142 where David is desperate. He's in a mess. His soul is crying out. There's an enemy that wants to destroy him. But at the end he says, hey, God, you brought me here. You're going to deliver me. I'm just going to have faith and trust in you. Now, flip to Psalm 57 and you're going to find where his... His prayers begin to change just a little bit because there's some people that start showing up in the cave and you're going to see this. And again, you can actually look and see at the heading of Psalm 57 where it's going to say that this was when David was in the cave that he wrote this. I believe his people were showing up and, and they began to complain. I think David started writing. He started writing down some things that God was showing him. Listen to this. David writes... Be gracious to me, O God, be gracious to me, for my soul takes refuge in you, and in the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes by. Did, did you catch that? Until destruction passes by. I got faith, God, this is only a season. I'm walking through the valley of the shadow of death, and the key word there is through. I'm going to get on the other side of this. I will cry to God most high, to God who accomplishes all things for me. He will send from heaven and save me. He reproaches him who tramples upon me. Selah. God will send forth his loving kindness and his truth. That space between desperation and hope is a space you exist to have faith that God's got you. A world without Christ cannot comprehend the hope that you and I can have in that space between desperation and hope. But it is Christ and Christ alone. Because we can cry out and trust Him regardless of what is going on. The last thing is this. Praise God in the midst of all of it. This is something David does here. You can read from verse 4 to verse 11 the rest of this entire chapter. My soul is among lions. I must lie among those who breathe forth fire. Even the sons of men whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue are sharp. By the way, do you know who verse 4 is about? Do you remember the men that God sent to him? The ones that were stressed out? In debt up to their eyeballs. They were all mad about things going on. Listen, they had teeth 
whose teeth are spears and arrows and their tongue a sharp sword. They're talking, they're, they're complaining, they're griping, they're under stress. But look at verse, verse 5. Be exalted above the heavens, O God. Let your glory be above all the earth. They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They dug a pit before me. They themselves have fallen into the midst of it. Selah. My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing. Yes, I will sing praises. Maybe next week we are to start with that verse and just leave it with that and see how many people will actually believe and do what God has asked us to do. I will sing, yes, I will sing praises. God, when we get to the place where in the middle of the mess we just begin to praise Him, our tragedy becomes a triumph. Now it doesn't mean that things get fixed and God makes everything right. Because look at David's life. Took him 15 years to get on the throne. God didn't send him the best looking guys, but he sent him the ones that were desperate, who were ready to be led. Who God had prepared them and prepared David in that cave, and it became a training ground for something great and mighty. Today, your seven day challenge, I'm going to stretch somebody. I just know it. Not everybody does the seven-day challenge, but for those of you who do, this is going to stretch some of you because this is going to be uncomfortable. Some of you are going to grab a hold of it and just do it, and you're going to find something that's going to be great, and you may even come and tell me about it or somebody. But here's the challenge. Choose Psalm 142 or Psalm 57, and let that be a basis this week for praying out loud. When you look at Psalm 57, let that be part of your prayer. Say, Father, be gracious to me, O God. Be gracious to me. For my soul takes refuge in you. In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge until destruction passes me by. You may only get that verse done. That might be the place where you need to camp. But your challenge is this. Find a place alone where it's just you and God. You turn your telephone off or you leave it in another room and you just cry out to Him. Today, I don't know where you are. I don't know what's been going on in your life. But I know there's a lot of stuff that's happening in people's lives today. And there's a lot of people that find themselves in a cave. And they think that it's the worst thing that's ever happened to them. But it could very well be that God is bringing you to that place so He can do something brand new in your life to give you a brand new beginning, to give you a new direction, to give you something that's going to give you a hope that you've never had before. What will you do with the cave? Hopefully, you'll be able to look at the cave of Adullam, that cave that has a name, and say, that is the place that became my training ground. That is the place that prepared me for where I am. Some of you may already have a place like that. Some of you may have a place that has got you to be where you are now. And now you find yourself in another cave. And God wants to do something. He wants to train you once more. One of my great training grounds was being born crippled. Being born crippled was a cave that I found myself in and that became a training ground for me because God did something in my heart and life that I never would have experienced had I not been in that cave. I thank God for that cave. That cave's name is Cripple. But you know what? One day, gloriously healed, I'll be able to stand on my tippy toes and run up and down the streets of gold, and I will be able to praise Him. But the cave that I've experienced now has made me the man I am today. Don't look at your cave as something that is terrible, dark, and desperate. Step back, turn to God in the midst of that cave, and just say, Lord... I honestly pour my heart and soul out to you. I am troubled. I am desperate. I have questions I don't understand. I don't even know if you're hearing me. But regardless of what goes on, I'm going to praise your name. Regardless of what people may say or think, I'm going to praise your name. Whether it works out for the good or for the bad for me, I'm still going to praise your name. Whether I go into that fiery furnace and I burn up or I survive, I'm going to still praise your name. 
Whether I go into work and I lose my job or I keep my job, I'm going to praise your name. Even though that I may find myself going to the doctor and I may get the worst news I've ever heard and it's the word cancer, I'm going to praise your name in the midst of it. I'm going to hurt. I'm going to be sad. It's going to be hard. It's going to be desperate. But I'm going to praise your name in the midst of it. That's where we can find our hope, ladies and gentlemen, in the cave that God brings us to in our life when we find everything has fallen away. Will you pray with me, Father? This morning, this morning we call on your name, desperate, for a move of your spirit among your people. Lord, sadly, there's a lot of your people who are not ready for revival because they've not come to that place of desperation yet. There's a lot of people who will give lip service to seeing you do great things, but they're not willing to be in a place for you to do great things. They want to stay comfortable. They want things to be just the way they like it. But Father, it's when we come to that place of desperation, that cave when we've lost all of our crutches, that all we have is you. It's only when we come to that place when all that we can have is you that you can do a revival and a work in our life and give us a new beginning. Father, today, move in our hearts, move in our minds. Lord, for the one that's complacent, for the one that is just living life, not really focused on you, not focused on the spiritual things of life. Lord, if they belong to you, you're going to bring them to a place of desperation. They're going to find themselves in a place where they're going to be crying out. Lord, make yourself known to them. Put people around them. Send people. After they turn themselves to you, you, you will send people to minister to them. Lord, let us be some of those people that will come into their cave to help them, to encourage them, to become what you've designed them to be. Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you for your mercy. I thank you for the hope that you bring to us today. And without Jesus Christ, there is no hope, there is no faith that can get us from the cave to the throne. But because of Jesus dying on the cross, we can cry to you right now and you hear our prayers in the throne room of heaven. So Lord, it is with faith that we ask and we pray that you will do a mighty work in our hearts and our minds. That if somebody does not know you, somebody does not know you as their Savior, that this will be the day, this will be the time and the moment that they'll ask you to forgive them and take over their life right now. In this quiet, still moment, maybe this is the cave where they get a new beginning when they ask you to forgive them and take over their life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.